At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm having an awesome time at the Laughlin UFO Mega Conference. I am here with the amazing Johnny Enoch, author, lecturer, hypnotherapist. He had an epic presentation. Johnny, first, how are you enjoying the conference so far? I'm loving this conference. It's absolutely amazing. So many incredible people like yourself. We're learning about science. We're learning about ufological history, ancient history, elongated skulls, there's nightly star watches, all kinds of an events, all kinds of events going on. You got to get down here and join us. Definitely. Now, we talked a bit about this. They had some speakers talking about this. Aliens attending this conference. Do you think that yes. they have aliens attending this conference right now? I absolutely do, Chris. You know, aliens are attending our conference. We've heard about that from Lawrence Noble. We've heard about it from people over the years that have said this. It says even in the book of Hebrews and the Christian Bibles that it says to show kindness to strangers because you never know if they might be angels. What's an angel? Angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which just means messenger. So maybe sometimes we've confused these beings that we believe are celestial messengers uh, as our extraterrestrials. Yes, uh, you, you spoke about that, how we may be confusing some of these beings. Um, and you talked about that you think that there's a difference. Uh, there's a difference between our extraterrestrial possibly ancient ancestors and these angelic beings. Uh, what is the difference you think that there are between these beings? Well, we live in a very complex world around us in a way. You know, we live in a multi-dimensional multiverse. So, you know, we are getting visits from biological life forms. We're getting visits from maybe what people call multi-dimensional beings. We're getting visits from beings in other universes. And so it's very interesting how this can take place. Sometimes they appear in your room as just like beings of light. Maybe that's a neutrino light source brushing up against the fabric of space-time. Maybe you're getting a visitation through a type of telepathy uh, or an energy that's coming through. So you never know, you know, what's, what's happening. You also spoke of how these contact experiences that a lot of these speakers had is possibly changing their DNA, changing them physiologically, yes. uh, kind of giving them an upgrade. And you can see it. Uh, you can tell in the, the way they talk, the, the, the way they describe their encounters and the things that they've downloaded and learned. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. We hear about their circadian rhythms changing, their resonance changing, uh, things changing physiologically in their bodies. And many times, you know, their brainwave states changing. In the cases of the tall whites, they had an ability to use a pen that they would hold up to you that they could change your brainwave states, how they oscillate. So right now, you and I, our brainwaves, they're going in beta or hyper-beta mode. When you're watching television, you're reading a book, your brainwaves are going into an alpha state. You're lightly relaxed. That's why if you're on the other side of the room and I say, hey, Chris, you might not hear it right away. You might say, what? What was that? And then when you go to sleep, you're going into your thetas and your most deepest level is delta. So imagine if just being in the presence of some of these beings, it, it stuns you and puts you into like a sleep, sleep mode. You're in a different altered state of consciousness. And it's, it's fascinating that 
all this could be existing right now all around us because we see so little of the electromagnetic spectrum right. that life could be teeming and probably is teeming all around us right now. Right. When the electromagnetic spectrum or vibrations hit your eyes, they come through the photoreceptors at 390 to 750 nms or nanometers. So that gets decoded. It goes up through the rods and cones in your eyes, up through the optic nerve into two visual cortices, and it's decoded only in a very small spectrum. Well, we know now, Chris, that we are actually injecting nanoparticles into the eyeballs of rats so they can see night vision. We know beyond that, we're experimenting with infrared. And when you go into infrared, you're going to see all kinds of things that you never thought possible. Very fascinating. Um, now, I also really enjoyed when you started talking about Egypt. You asked the audience, what's the first thing they think of? And immediately it was the Great Pyramid. Yes. And I rather enjoyed um, when you started talking about Napoleon's experience uh, in the Great Pyramid. For those that don't know, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Napoleon, back in 1798, he goes to Egypt. He goes up into the Great Pyramid and he spends the night. He has this intense out-of-body experience up there. And he doesn't want to talk about it for the rest of his life, but he comes out uh, white as a ghost. He comes out pale. And this is absolutely shocking to everybody what he could have seen. He doesn't reveal it till later in his life that he saw his Waterloo. He saw his own defeat. It was a disturbing fact. We get other reports with a guy named Paul Brunton who wrote a book called In Search of Secret Egypt in 1930. He goes up into the Great Pyramid. He spends the night with only a little candle. He's scared half to death because these ghosts start appearing to him. And when they appear to him soon after, he gets pulled out of the body and he has this out-of-body experience, like an astral projection. He's taken by these kind of temple guards into a secret chamber of the pyramid. And there's another, there's another uh, Egypt on top of that, like another etheric plane the Egyptians knew how to tap into. Yeah, that's very awesome. Um, also, I found it very interesting that you, um, when you were talking about the the origins of uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the connections to ancient Egypt. I really yes. didn't know anything about that, so talk about that. Yes, Charles Taze Russell. The, founders, the founder of the Jehovah's Witness religion, he was obsessed by the Great Pyramid. So he based their entire religion on the idea that he believed these God's chosen people were the Hyksos people that he believed were slaves, incorrectly believed that, by the way, that they had encoded a secret message for when Jesus was going to return into the subterranean chambers of the Great Pyramid. He was so obsessed with it that on the earlier Egyptian literature, we find that they had the Egyptian sun wing in the disc. He's buried next to a Great Pyramid monument with a Templar cross over in Pittsburgh. What's fascinating about that also is that you know, he's saying that there is an encoded message in there that Jesus is going to return and become king in the year 1914, just coincidentally when their church was founded. And you can have fun with Jehovah's Witnesses, by the way, by asking him them this fact, uh, which is really interesting. Say, what made Jesus king in 1914? Well, the, the funny part about this is that in 1916, there's a man named Judge Joseph Rutherford that he was chosen by the same powers of Jehovah. He takes over the church. And at that point, he comes in there and he throws out everything that Charles Taze Russell had and said it's all from the devil, pyramids in Egypt, it's all devil stuff. But then he starts saying that people, only 144,000 people can be saved and go to heaven. What's interesting about that is that when you go to the book of Revelations in the Bible, 7 and 14, it uses that number 144,000. Well, when you use gematria, the Hebrew gematria, that's 1 plus 4 plus 4 equals 9. 
And since you spend nine months in the womb, everybody, including Chris, gets saved and goes to heaven. But nine is a sacred number to the mysteries. We know that there was nine Knights Templars, nine tail feathers on the American $1 bills eagle that controls the flight path of it. Nine sides to the Great Pyramid of Egypt. When you count two times four on the top and one side on the bottom, that's nine. Nine pyramids on the Giza Plateau. You have this great number of nine that goes all the way across uh, the mysteries. And I think it's incredible. That is incredible. Uh, then you went on to speak about the possible ways that UFOs may travel through this sort of magnetic highway. and Megalantic that, highways, yeah. Yeah, and that the sun may be a sort of portal that connects yeah. other stars in the universe. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So what we have with that is that some people have talked about how our sun could be a stargate or a portal. Um, we have these megalantic highways that are connecting our galaxies together, which is really fascinating. Uh, but UFOs have often been talked about using um, make, uh, magnetic highways. If you go back into our old UFO literature, such as the book by Frank Scully, uh, where we get Mulder and Scully from. He's talking about magnetic highways. Uh, Adamski's old book is talking about UFOs coming here on magnetic highways. You know, there's this electromagnetism all around us and through our universe um, that we very much believe exists. And you also spoke of the three types of energy. Um, that we have a, a trinary state yes, instead of a binary. Yeah, and uh, also the, the the most important that we have this serpentine energy that it connects. Oh, right. Serpentine energy. It so, connects parts of the planets with megalithic sites and different places of energy. Right? Yeah, we have geomagnetic energy, such as in our great sites, like the Great Pyramid, uh, such as in Stonehenge, all these areas. We have a type of bio energy that works with photonic energy within the body. Um, you know, that's with Kundalini, hence the 30, 30 degrees of Scottish Rite Freemasonry. We have a type of universal energy, which the German secret societies called Vril. Nikola Tesla called it scalar. You know, we call it zero point energy now. So it's absolutely fascinating. You know, we look at this, that the ancients have known about this a long time and they symbolize it by a serpent. But what's even more important in this analogy is that when we go back into our theosophy work uh, with the great Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, she talked about an energy in our universe called Fohat that moved like a serpent, okay? So what's interesting about that is that that's very much what we believe now is the formation of rocky planets. So when you take our planet, for example, we're told that it came from an embryonic mass that gathered from the plasma of stars, just like this. And thanks to the centripetal and centrifugal forces, like a serpentine energy, there's a pushing and a pulling and a radioactive decay, the gathering of moisture on the inside of this thing, which is why there's more water on the inside of the Earth, Chris, than there is even on the Earth's surface. And with this process, it formed these little honeycomb-like areas inside the Earth, which is why we believe all these rocky planets like the Earth uh, have an inner Earth um, kind of cavities or an inner Earth civilization could survive in there. Yes, and we could talk. That could be a whole different show. I just have one more question. I know one, you have to go. One more question. One more question. I, I, I love the part about how you were talking about how Walt Disney utilized this energy to make Disney. Disneyland, absolutely. Yes. Okay, so Disneyland, when it was open on July 17th, 1955, uh, it was constructed through consultants with SRI, Walt Disney used them. That's the Stanford Research Institute. These are the guys that work with like Dr. Hal Putoff, Ingo Swan, Yuri Geller, 
Pat Price, all the remote viewers later on. Well, there's two guys that put together Disneyland. It was Cornelius Vanderbilt Wood and Buzz Price, hence the name Buzz and Woody in the Toy Story uh, movie. And so with that, these guys built Disneyland on the 33rd parallel, just like Area 51. And they tapped into these ancient geomagnetic energies and they put the castle where the influx of this energy is and they put the carousel behind the castle to act as a Tesla coil to spin the energy out into the park. And they denote the demarcation or the markation of where this is by putting little obelisks aside, all around the castle. That is fascinating. Johnny, I know you have to go. Thank you so much for taking the it's time a pleasure. to talk. Thank you, man. And it's enjoy a pleasure. the rest of the conference. Thank you. You as well. Yes. And keep, stay tuned into Forbidden Knowledge News. Like, subscribe, and share this video with your friends. Definitely. Thank you, Johnny.